I'm going to pray for us, and then Brad's going to read God's word. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, want to thank you so much for your word. Um, we thank you uh, for the way that as we meditate on it, uh, you grow us. Uh, you make us strong, healthy trees planted by streams of living water uh, who bear their fruit in season. Uh, Father, please make us strong in you uh, through our time in your word this evening, we pray. Amen. Good evening. My name's Brad, and it's my honour to read the Bible tonight. It's, uh, we're going to be reading from Exodus, starting at chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 1, going through to 2021. That's on page 65 of the Holman Bible. Exodus 19, starting at verse 1. In the third month, on the same day of the month that the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. After they departed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although all the earth is mine, and you, although all the earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests. And my holy nation. These are the words that you were to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Then Moses reported the people's words to the Lord, and the Lord told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, Be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain will be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows. No animal or man will live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a loud trumpet sound so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain and the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and he went up. The Lord directed Moses, go down 
and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord, otherwise many of them will die. Even who priests who come near the Lord must purify even the priests who come near the Lord must purify themselves, or the Lord will break out in anger against them. But Moses responded to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consider it holy. And the Lord replied to him, Go down and come back with Aaron. But the priests and the people must not break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods beside me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, or on the earth below, or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You were to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbour. Do not covet your neighbour's house. Do not covet your neighbour's wife, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountains surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The second reading comes from Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. You can find that on page 909. Of the Bible. So that's Matthew 22, starting at verse 34, going through to verse 40. When the Pharisees heard that he'd silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command is the law, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Brad. If you could keep that... uh 
passage in Exodus open. That'll be really helpful. Uh, I know uh, I'm friends with God through Jesus. I'm very thankful for that. But I long for that friendship to be closer. I long for that kind of sweet communion with God. I've known it in the past. I've known it. But I long for it to be always. That I would always know Jesus close to me. Always to be full of joy and peace and love and thankfulness. I, I long for those things. I'd love to enjoy my walk with God every moment of the day and for it to never be anything like a chore, wouldn't you? I also long to be a more effective witness for Jesus Um, so that, well, I'll actually long for that for our whole church uh, so that people would uh, come amongst us and say, surely God is amongst these people just by looking at how we live together. And yet those things, they seem so far away, don't they? I often feel like I'm in a dry place, and these ideas are just a mirage. Why? Well, I think there's a few reasons why I'm not always like that, or why I'm not always an effective witness for Jesus. We talked about one a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how um, we need to be digging into our salvation in Jesus That will help us to really uh, know his closeness and to to always have a heart full of praise for him. But there's another one um, which we're going to focus on tonight, and that is perhaps we're not actually working at following Jesus. Perhaps we're not actually enjoying our walk with Jesus because we're walking in a different direction. It's very hard to enjoy a walk with someone when you're walking in a different direction. Perhaps we're not, um, people aren't actually seeing Jesus in us because we're not living like Jesus. So there's no Jesus for them to see. Well, see, friends, this is actually pretty well where the law fits in. This is what the law, the Ten Commandments, and that sort of thing is all about. It's about helping us to enjoy our walk with Jesus and for us to show God to the world, so that people would look at us and see God. In the context of Exodus, the commands are kind of like a constitution or the law of a new nation, a nation who was going to be close to God and who was going to show God to the world. Um, to see this, uh, we're going to get into the storyline of Exodus once again. Uh, we're going to look at the law and Israel and then the law and us. But first, let's look at chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. Have a look with me. Chapter 19, verse 3. Uh, Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob, and explain to the Israelites. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. I will never forget the day that I was uh, driving out of Carnarvon Gorge in sort of Queensland, central Queensland-ish, and um, there was this wedge-tailed eagle on the road. And we drove past it, and as we did, he took off. uh, So that just for a few seconds, we were driving right next to him as he was flying. Him, her, I'm not sure. An amazing creature. A majestic animal. Such strength. 
If I was a bird, um, I think I'd be most embarrassed by my legs. Um, do you know what I mean? Little bir birds have these ridiculous little backwards legs. So embarrassing. Um, but not an eagle. They've got like these big hairy quads, like these big things, and they can pick up small animals and fly away with them. And that's what happened to, Egypt, uh, to Israel, wasn't it? That's what we've read about. And so we get this summary here that, that that's what happened. God swooped down and grabbed hold of his people, Israel, who were dying in slavery, and just tore off with them. No problems. Great strength. He decimated Egypt, who were holding them as slaves. He uncreated them. Piece by piece, he basically reduced them to the chaos of nothingness. And then, in his strength, he brought Israel through the Red Sea. It's a significant moment. Um, just like in creation in Genesis 1, God created by tearing the sea apart. Once again, he was creating a new people. Uh, it was a new creation, creating Israel to be his new people. So much so was this, a, was this a new thing that Israel changed their calendar to say, this is the beginning this moment when God rescues us is the beginning of something new. This is a new creation. When God took his people out of slavery and brought them, verse 4, to himself. Did you catch that? Just the end of verse 4. He brought them on eagle's wings to himself. This is actually a personal thing that God is doing. God is passionate about these people, Israel. And he's actually got two things in mind for them. Let's read on from verse 5. He's got two things in mind for them. Verse 5. Now, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although all the earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. First, God wants to make these people who he's brought to himself his own possession. He wants them to be my kingdom and my nation, he says. The whole world's his, but he wants to have a special relationship with these people who he loves. Um, and so he actually appears to them. We've got this great appearance of God. It's kind of a freaky experience. But the point is he wants to be with them. And more of that next week. We're going to touch that more next week. But he wants to share himself with them and have them share themselves completely with him. And you get that idea from the laws as well, don't you? From the commandments. Have a look at chapter 20 with me. Chapter 20, verse 1. Uh, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He's done something significant for them. Do not have other gods beside me. Do not make an idol for yourself. Why not? Well, verse 5, halfway through it. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You see, God's attitude towards them is one of passionate devotion, jealousy. And he wants his people to be devoted to him. That's the first thing. He wants them to be his special people to walk with him closely but there's a second thing 
There's a second role that Yahweh wants Israel to play. We get that in verse 6. He wants them to be, sorry, chapter 19, verse 6. He wants them to be uh, holy priests. Now, priests, uh, their job basically was to represent God to the world um, and the world to God. Adam and Eve were the first priests. They were meant to uh, image God to the world, show the world what God is like. And now in this new creation called Israel, the whole kingdom, all the people, are meant to be priests, holy priests. So, God's rescued these people on eagles' wings, brought them to himself to be his special possession and to be a kingdom of priests, to represent him to the world. And that's where the law fits in. The law basically shows them how to do that, how to be his special people, how to represent him appropriately to the world. I want to pause for a moment and say what the law isn't doing here, how it doesn't fit in. You see, many people think that the law and keeping the law is what makes them God's special people. As if God, you know, wasn't going to rescue them unless they actually kept the Ten Commandments. But friends, please do notice where the commandments turn up. It's not in Egypt. God doesn't say to them in, e- in Egypt why they're slaves. Look, if you just uh, manage to keep these Ten Commandments for, say, um, 10 weeks, then I'll rescue you. Not at all. God has already rescued his people, and now he gives them uh, his commandments. Because the commandments show them how to be his people, how to enjoy their walk with him, and how to represent him appropriately to the world. That's what it's about. So, if they do keep this law, They will do those things. They will be his special people and they will represent him to the world. Do you see that in verse 5, chapter 19, verse 5? Now, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession and dot, dot, dot. If is an important word, isn't it? If, free phone, if you sign up to a 36-month contract, um, you can have the promotion. If... You work obscene hours. But this if here, uh, in verse 5, is not a trick if, trying to catch you out. Um, It actually just makes a lot of sense. It's just logic. Um, You see, if they're going to be his uh, special people, well, they've got to listen to him, right? You know, if they don't listen to him, they don't have a relationship. It's just logic. They've got to listen. If they're going to show God to the world... Well, they've got to listen to him, right? Or else they're just going to be exactly like the rest of the world. Um, it's just kind of logic here. If Israel want this, want this special role, these two things, then they've got to obey God. It's pretty straightforward. And if they do, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, wouldn't life be good if everyone obeyed the Ten Commandments? Just have a look with me. Chapter 20. Have a look at verse 8. Um, 
the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. I think our world would be a happier place if one day a week everyone just chilled out a bit. You know, didn't drive anywhere, just took it easy. Reading on, verse 12, honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Don't give false testimony against your neighbor. Wouldn't that be good? Don't covet your neighbor's house or anything like that. Um, the advertisers might not like it, that kind of world, but that's okay. I think it would be a beautiful world. And actually, the next few chapters um, kind of unpack these things and relate them to society as a whole. Well, what should society look like? And it's actually a really beautiful picture um, of fairness and equality um, and looking after vulnerable people, the, the, the slaves and, and women and orphans and strangers. Just take a look at a small section with me from chapter 22. From chapter 22, verse 21 just to get a flavor of the kind of world that God wants his people to live. Chapter 22, verse 21. You must not exploit a foreign resident or oppress him, since you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not, tr- not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Uh, down to verse 25. If you lend money to my people, to the poor person among you, you must not be like a money lender to him. You must charge him no interest. Whoa! And verse 26, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak as collateral, return it to him before sunset. For it's his only covering. It's the clothing for his body. What will he sleep in? Do you kind of get a flavor for this? I think it's beautiful. Israel agreed that this was actually a beautiful law. Three times in chapters 19 to 24, they say, we will do everything you've commanded, God. If they did, if they did listen and obey, they would truly enjoy God. They would walk closely with him and they would be devoted to the one who was devoted to them. And they would faithfully faithfully represent God to the world if they listened to the law. Well, That was Israel. That was the idea behind the law for Israel, to help them do those two things. What about you and me in the 21st century? I kind of think most Christians are quite confused about the Ten Commandments and what to do with them. In days gone by, they might have been written on the back of our church there. Um, Everyone would have known them, more or less. But today, uh, we know better than that, don't we? We know that we're saved by grace. We know that Paul in Romans said, you are not under law. And so we kind of pretty well ignore the law. Certainly I have. It doesn't seem to relate to us. Can I ask, show of hands, can anyone here recite the Ten Commandments roughly? One? That would have been very different a couple of years ago. Very different. Uh, Well, friends, I've been rebuked for my attitude towards the law this week as I've been preparing. Um, And I've been rebuked by a non-Christian actor, which is unfortunate, 
Uh, on holidays, I was watching Lincoln, good movie, and Daniel Day-Lewis quotes Psalm 19. Uh, he says, I was going to try to do the accent, but I won't. He just says this one word very humorously. Anyway, the, I'll do the one word. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Why don't I pay more attention to it? And it's not just the Old Testament. In Romans, Paul says the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. And in Matthew 5, this is where I want to focus a bit of time. Matthew 5, Jesus says, Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of the... One stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches people to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. How can we ignore the commands? Jesus didn't come to destroy the commands, but to fulfill them, to fill them up. And he goes right on to say in, in Matthew 5, things like this. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, Ten Commandments. But I tell you, if anyone gets angry with his brother, he's subject to judgment. Do you hear what he's doing? He's saying, um, he's actually not destroying the law there. He is filling it up to its fullest sense. Because there was always something behind the law, beneath the law. You see, the, the laws, the Ten Commandments, were, were never kind of these random rules God came up with. You know, I've got these people, I need some rules for them. Ten's a nice round number. What shall I come up with? It was never like that. The commandments actually reflect God's character. They show us what he's like. They are his values his loves. Let me give you a tiny example. Um, Exodus 22, uh, the last command there, verse 26. He says, If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as collateral, return it to him before sunset, for it is his only covering. It is the clothing for his body. What will he sleep in? And if he cries out to me, I will listen because I am compassionate. See, the whole law was about his compassion. This is the law because I am compassionate. So when, when he says, do not murder, it's because he loves life-giving relationships. That's what he's on about. And so Jesus says, it's not just about not murdering. You can't even get angry. Don't even get angry. Because anger destroys these life-giving relationships that God loves. See, Jesus is actually not just thinking about the surface of the commandments. He's getting to the heart of them by getting to the heart of God's character. Friends, if you want to walk closely with God, closely, close to his heart, why not walk closely with the commandments? Because they reveal so much of God's heart to us. 
Um, I want to set the scene just a little bit for this section in, in, in Matthew 5 um, because it's almost exactly like Exodus 19 to 20. Jesus, God himself, has gone up on a mountain and he has called people to himself and he begins to teach them the law. Exactly what happens in Exodus 19 and 20. He teaches them how to walk closely with God and represent the world to him. And there was a guy on the mountain on that day at the Sermon of the Mount, a guy called Peter, and a few years later he wrote down something in 1 Peter that goes like this. He says, you, Christians, see if this rings any bells, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You see what's happening in the gospel? In the gospel, God is, Jesus is drawing a new people to himself, a people who are going to get at the heart of the law, who are going to live according to God's character, people who are going to actually walk closely with Jesus, walk closely with God, and represent him to the world in a way that's never happened before, at a whole new depth, a whole new level. And friends, that's you, if you trust in Jesus. Now, we might just want to hold on for a second there and ask a question. Um, How is that possible? Because Israel, I mean, they got to see God on this crazy burning mountain. And they agreed three times that they were going to follow his law. Did they? Nuh-uh consistently, totally fail. So how are we, Christians, meant to keep not just the surface of the law, but the heart of the law? How is that possible? Well, the answer is um, we're in a whole new era. We're in the new covenant. We've been given the Spirit of God. The law has been written on our hearts so that we know God personally. We actually love God. We actually want to walk with him closely. We want his company. We want the world to look at us and glorify God. We want those things. Well, friends, if that's you, if you want those things, why aren't we more interested in the commandments? Like I said, I've been rebuked this week. I've realized the blessing of digging into the law and actually pursuing obedience. It's a blessing to pursue obedience. It'll help me enjoy my walk with God. That's what they're there for. And it'll help me to represent God to the world. The commandments are a gift, friends. Yes, we see God more clearly in Jesus. Yes. But the law is kind of kind of lays out the basics for us. For example, if you're wondering why you're feeling so distant from God, maybe the fourth commandment would help. Maybe Um, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words, are you arranging your week around Jesus? How's your connect group attendance? 
Because if you're not arranging your week around Jesus, then perhaps you shouldn't be surprised that he feels a bit distant. He is not distant. The commands never make him close or not, but he will feel distant. Or perhaps the first commandment. Do not have any other gods beside me. It's very probing. You notice he doesn't say don't have any other gods instead of me. That will kind of be a bit more obvious. It's beside. I've got Jesus, but beside him. What else have you got beside him? Things that you're looking to for happiness and security. Because friends, if there are other things there, don't be surprised that you're not enjoying your walk with Jesus as much as you could. Don't be surprised that you're not as effective in being a witness to Jesus as you could. We must also remember, of course, that these commands were given to a community. People are meant to see God as we live out these commands together. So, um, are we keeping as a church the ninth commandment? Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Or are we happy to gossip? Pass a story on even if we're not quite sure that it's true. Are we keeping the third commandment? Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Or are we all too easily, easily taking upon ourselves the name Christian and then bringing shame to the name of Christ? Friends, I guess I just want to encourage us to dig into the commandments, to pursue obedience, because they will, it will help us to enjoy our walk with him. And then the world will see, actually, in us, God, more clearly. And I must throw in, before I finish, one other use of the law. Because, friends, if we do um, actually start looking closely at the law, we're going to see that we don't measure up to it. For Israel, the law was meant to help them walk closely with God, but it actually just ended up showing them how far away from him they'd walked. And it can have the same effect on us. Um, the commands can kind of be like a rose, you know? Beautiful, but if you get too close, it can hurt. But because of Jesus, the law never leaves us in pain. It causes us to fly to Jesus. Jesus, the one who actually did fulfill the law. Not just filling it up and showing us its full meaning, but living it for us actually living out the law completely, doing what we could never do. Jesus lives the law and then says to us, you can't do it, I can. Trust me and my obedience will count for you. So when, I, when we look at the law deeply, we see our sin more deeply, but then we look to Jesus more completely and we find ourselves wanting to walk with him more closely. How do you do that? Well, the law will be, give you a good guideline, good, good suggestions. Friends, like I said, I've been rebuked this week about my attitude to the law. How can I say I want to be close to God but then not listen to him? So I guess I want to encourage us as his people to look closely at the law, to pursue obedience because it will help us enjoy our walk with the Lord.
and help us be better witnesses to him in the world. The way we're going to close uh, our time uh, in the Word is actually by doing something which they used to do all the time uh, from the prayer book. And that is we're going to uh, recite the Ten Commandments together. Uh, well, I'm going to read them out and we're going to respond. The words are going to come up, hopefully, on the screen behind me. Um, so I'll read out one part and you respond. Uh, it'll help us to dig into the commands and show up our sin, cause us fly to, to fly to Jesus and show us how to walk closely with him. So let's say this. Hear the commandments which God gave his people Israel. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods besides me. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this, Lord. Do not make any idol for yourself. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Lord, have mercy on us, and incline our hearts to keep this law. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all you have to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Lord, have mercy on us, and incline our hearts to keep this law. Honor your father and mother, Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this, Lord. Do not murder. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this, Lord. Do not commit adultery. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this, Lord. Do not steal. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this, Lord. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Do not covet anything that is your neighbor's. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this law and together. Lord, have mercy on us and write your commandments in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Amen.